Yeah, and we're live talking about the beach in Tel Aviv two years ago, sitting on the beach, having a chat about SEO, life, singing, children, marriage. Uh, not our marriage, of course, but your <laughs> marriage and life and the beach and the, the wonders of life that we live. And that was Post, lovely. Like before COVID time. Yeah, it was so lovely. When we can meet, you know, it's like in person. That was, uh, ah, I miss those times. Totally. Well, it will happen again, Leiraz. I, I will, I will bet my bottom dollar, of which I have several. <laughs> Delighted to have you. Uh, you get the song. A quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the to show, the show. Leiraz Postan. Yay! <laughs> and that was part of the discussion we had. Is that you have a most beautiful voice, don't you? Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and I was trying to encourage you to sing something back. For example. Mm, I don't know. Um, SEO is everything we need to know with Jason. Oh, ooh, 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 you've put me to shame. I love it. I'm absolutely delighted to be put to shame by the delightful Leroy's Poston. Uh, so lovely to have you here. I, as always, will start off with a little brand SERP and then we can move on to UX and SEO. So if we can show that first screen, I looked up your name on Google and got a delightful SERP where you're number one. There you go. And that's on the right. And on the left, why have I put an exact duplicate of it? It's because on the right, I don't look up your name. I've searched for your knowledge graph ID, as you can see in the top left-hand corner, and it returns exactly the same result whether I use your name or the knowledge graph ID that represents your name and yourself, which is beautiful. And I'm getting overexcited about knowledge graph IDs because I keep finding them for people when they aren't in the main knowledge graph. And if we show up the next screen, I showed Hannah last week. That's all the guests who have ever been on oh. the show, 164 of them. And just by putting all of their names together as a bunch into Google's NLP, it comes up with 97 knowledge graph IDs wow. out of the 164. Incredible. Well, I really love your initiative with a knowledge graph. I think it's like, wow, I, I follow it. And there is a lot of a lot of to learn from it. Thank like you. it's amazing. Wow, I really appreciate people like you. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank I was, you, I was fishing for that, by the way. Th <laughs> th thank you for the, the messages that have been up on screen. For anybody who can't see it, who's listening to the podcast, Anton is splashing messages up on screen as per usual. <laughs> so that was a really short introduction. I found your knowledge graph ID. Now the question is, can we build a knowledge panel from it, get you in the proper knowledge graph, get yourself a knowledge panel? And I, my, my bet is that we can, and it seems increasingly to me that actually Google is thirsty for that knowledge and thirsty and delighted when it can give you a knowledge panel. So I think we're doing it a favor rather than the other way around. What do you think? Totally. And I think it's uh, something that a lot of people are missing out, like uh, when forgetting and how we need to build and give much more information to Google, like mm -hmm. any information we can give to Google for, uh, on our business, on ourselves, on organization, on our specific article, schema, that will be amazing because I think, you know, at the end of the day, Google, as smart as it will be, like it, it's a smart engine. It's like a robot in, in, in the end of the day. So we need to give them like anything that they can eat, you know, like it's something that data, codes, anything like information, yeah. information, information, just to fill it up with a lot of information. It um, just wants to understand and you want to feed it things it can EAT so that exactly. it can then 
use the EIT signals that it has to make us look better in search. I love exactly. that. So we're feeding Google for eat. That doesn't really make sense. Anyway, um, <laughs> off that topic, back onto UX and SEO, which apparently you know rather a lot about. Now, UX for me, here's my take on UX. I built the CaliQ Pro platform how I would want to use it, and I'm hoping everybody else will agree with me. Mm -hmm. Is that but a good tactic? You're not the user. At the end of the day, you're not the end user, so mm. you can think as a user, but it's really best to test your platform or anything that you're doing on your website with a real user that's actually using the site. Because I'm sure like you're very involved with the platform, you're very, you know the bits and bytes and how it's involved during the years, and you may be emotionally attached to it, so you don't want to miss this feature and that feature. So you may think as a user, but it doesn't necessarily work. You need to actually interact with the user, test it with users, create some, I don't know, like A-B test, um, and decide through data and not through emotions or anything like that. Oh, I like, I like, I, well, I don't like, but I understand the idea, you know, you might be attached, you become attached to bits of your website or things totally. or the color of a button. Totally. And it's, it's not actually helpful. And one of the hardest things, I remember writing scripts for Buwa and Kuala for the TV series, you wrote this brilliant line, you think this is a great line. And at the end of the day, it's not in the show, not because it isn't a great line, but because it doesn't help the story. And it doesn't appeal to the users and or yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, sometimes we build sites, and we think they're amazing. And they have all the things that we want to specific navigation and everything secondary navigation and user pop ups and everything. But users uh, want something very sim simple and very direct. And they want to understand what you're doing in a matter of millisecond. This is like something that yeah. you, you cannot really compete, you know, you what you're doing, you know, your business very good. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, when we ask business owners, like, um, like, tell me what is your, uh, like, in, in a tweet, like, tell me what is your business doing? And sometimes they're very struggling with, they really don't know how to describe their business better. And this is something that um, it really hurts when you see some websites like this, uh, messaging, positioning, everything is out there. But what do you do? How can you contribute to me? What information can I grab from you? Like all this great article, but what is it saying? Like the actual, the actual point. Are, are you saying crazy. that the, I mean, basically the, whatever it is you do, the entire thing should be built out from one core precept or concept. Yeah. And if you build it out from there, then you're gonna tend to build a much better user experience because you have a focus. Yeah, imagine like a designer, it's the same thing. Like if a designer will start the, the uh, sketch or anything from a mobile point of view and not from a desktop <sighs> where right. you can implement all those stuff and you have so much real estate on desktop, you know, in a mobile versus mobile. So if you would start small, then expand it, that will be amazing. But this is well, not... Well, there's a question. Sorry, I actually managed to get one client wants to do that only once in all of the clients I've ever had. And I told them to do it. And they're the only one who actually did it. And they struggled. And they had to fight to keep the designer doing it on mobile. And it worked incredibly well. But I've never got anybody else to do it because people get so fed up with trying to fit everything onto a mobile. And they think, exactly. oh, I'll just squash it in later. Exactly. Start minimizing everything. And then you have everything that you need. You know, just the basics that I need. That's it. This is what I need. 
if I can get this and this and this on desktop, okay, that will be fine. But this is what I need. This is the core and pillar pages that I need or the core, let's say, pillar menus that I need or navigation. Um, and that will be more focused for you. Like, um, and it, it's, the, it's the world of where we're living. Like, we were, like everyone with, with their mobile phone, everyone using it. So think mobile. Just like, uh, why not? Desktop. I was looking where my mobile phone was. I can't <laughs> find out. Oh, God, I've lost it. Anyway, um, but then kind of basically you start with the absolute minimum on your mobile. What do I need to access quickly and easily? Or what do my users rather, because it's not me who's using it, need to access quickly? What do they need to understand it? And then build a desktop version after that. But then what, what then happens, and this is my experience, is you then start adding functionality, adding options, and... Stop optimizing, start minimizing, says Anton. Brilliant. Genius. <laughs> uh, and, and then we add functionality, and we suddenly end up with lots of bells and whistles and things and options, and we realize that we've moved away from that minimal approach, and it's very difficult then to put it all back in the box. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But this is why you need to have, like, experienced designer that knows how to minimize all the options and then just to bring it onto desktop with no some, you know, all this mess around. And uh, this is something that professionals are mostly doing today. And, you know, if you're looking at your first uh, uh, sketch or original one and you're saying that you've moved away from this, it's like uh, I've worked in a company like Outbrain that has a really cool, um, let's say, metaphor. It's like the lighthouse. Uh, when you're moving away from the lighthouse, return to your way. I always remember this, like you're, you're lost your way in the middle go back to your lighthouse way and just find a way out. That's a really good metaphor. So always go back to your lighthouse. And, and the lighthouse is, or the guiding light is this central right. concept that you're dealing with. And if you have moved so far away from that central concept, then it's no longer the same concept and you need to rethink your entire platform. Is that about it, true? Exactly. By the way, it's, it's, it's in everywhere, not designed, like in business goals, everything that you put in your life. So it's a lot mm -hmm. of... Uh, it's a lot of things there to uh, to take. Anyone can take it to your to its own, you know, perspective. Um, usually, I use it as a business. If I'm away from my business goals, or I don't know my life goals, let's say I'm going back to what I said to myself. So it's very very smart. Oh right, Ooh, jolly good. Right now, on, on mm -hmm. to the next step. And I was actually thinking about. Um, uh, debugging, i.e. with UX, trying to think like, what should we be doing? How should we be doing this? And John Mueller was talking about uh, geeky, techie people over-optimizing before it's actually ready for being optimized. And what I think the preset behind or concept behind that is to say, build this stuff out mm -hmm. and then start optimizing once you've got it. Um, would that work for UX, i.e. you say I've got to get it out there, see how people react, and then start thinking about where it's going wrong? Or do I need yeah. to get it right off the bat? Well, sure, if you see something that's, uh, you know, shouting you from, you know, like from the uh, <laughs> from the landing page before it's published, don't use that. So, yeah, fix it. Uh, like a typo or, I don't know, multiple uh, uh, CTAs or something like that. Of course, fix that. But... I think at the end of the day, you're you don't really know how the user will react. Sometimes mm. the ugliest landing page can work beautifully, you know, rather than this super designed, well, uh, oh, I don't know, like landing page. So you really don't know. It's it's best just to uh, test it, use data to understand your users, use heat maps, um, recordings. This also uh, is useful. And yeah, you know, sometimes we we get surprised like how things can be. Uh, 
can do well for us. Like really, you can design the most beautiful landing page, the most complex landing page with such animations and everything. But then the experience is so bad, it takes the, the page to load in some, I don't know, states or uh, low internet access or things like that. So you really can't cannot really know. So use right. the data, use the analysis, use see what other, other people are uh, reacting to your page. Yeah, brilliant. Um, we had a, an interesting experience with the, the Buon Kuala website is that we got lots of emails from parents saying the navigation is awful. We can't find the game and they would name the game that they were looking for. And we would answer answer them and say, can your child find it? I say, oh, yeah, they navigate to it in, in a couple of seconds. They know exactly where it is. And you say, that's, it. <laughs> that's the point is the navigation isn't for you. It's for them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but I think the main point is also if you know one of the target audience for you is the parents, so make sure it's also accessible for parents, not to miss them. Because at the end of the day, they are paying for this. No, like maybe. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's too late now. But at, at no. the time, I thought I was being very <laughs> clever, but obviously not. But what was interesting is is how intuitively children navigate, um, and images are incredibly good for them, and text aren't. And what the parents were saying is there isn't enough. The parent wanted to play as well, which is probably true. Uh, the, the parent was looking for text and the child was looking at images because obviously the child at four to six years old isn't going to be reading particularly well. Um, and how, how uh, here's a question then. How could we have dealt with that, with the need for text for the parent and just the images for the children? Well, I think like a, a lot of uh, platforms are using like uh, parents, uh, you know, labeling there and they can just navigate to their own section and then see all the, the sections, all the games that they want, then easily purchase or anything. And that's another issue. I or, could have I been know. rich. I just got it wrong. Yeah, no, I should have just built a second navigational system for the parents. Have the parents yeah, go over exactly. there so they can buy it. You're a genius. Yeah. Why didn't we yeah. meet 20 years ago when I I don't it? know. Let's take it offline and have a startup together and you'll be rich. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, the next question, of course, is UX all well and good. Obviously, we want the user to be um, happy. We, But... UX and SEO, I think that was the crux of the conversation. Mm -hmm. A lot of SEOs will say, well, I don't really care about UX. That's somebody else's job. And you're going to, yes, exactly. People <laughs> who can't see Lira, she just looked, I don't know, what would that expression be? Perplexed, <laughs> confused. Uh, she looked at me as though I was a complete idiot. So <laughs> UX is involved in SEO. And as SEOs, if we're not paying attention to UX, we're making a mistake. Is that fair? Listen, like all the Google core updates as until today are like all related to user experience, if you can't notice. It's like a mobile Jiden. Uh, everything that's relating to core web vitals, the recent core web vitals, which page experience, like mobile friendliness, everything is there for UX. In the end of the day, if I am giving you the best content in the world, but you cannot really access it, it's useless. Also, I can create the most uh, long format content, 2K, 3K words for you, but you cannot really digest the content. You cannot even, uh, it's a bulk of text, no, not designed uh, for you to understand. You cannot even navigate with table of contents, uh, maybe to design a little bit of content, put some videos, uh, images there to digest it. It's useless. The whole process with SEO doesn't really cut it. It's like, uh, why? Why bother if you're not giving your site, giving your users that has to actually purchase from you there after this, like it a good experience, make them feel at home. Um, oh, by the way, like for me, thank you, Hans. That's uh, <laughs> vital. Also, exactly. This is what I was saying. Like, um, I think that uh, for me, like uh, in a process of SEO, if I'm not um, 
looking at my user in my uh, in my user like as a as guest like as a guest that right. I want to feel at home that's uh you know it's not something that uh that would have ended up um doing any any business for me at the end of the day we're investing so much effort we're creating content and creating our positioning and messaging and the product behind it and some sales and funnels and analytics and data and everything and then the users come and the site loads with 20 seconds that's it they're gone they, they have lots of lots of competitors to pick from the surf today and you're not the only one today so um, I think it's useless. Right. I mean, but then, then you need to cut selling. And from what I perceive from what you're saying is you need to find the balance between you, you're making this great content and then saying, well, actually, I need to invest slightly less in the content and more in the presentation of that content. Uh, why not both? I think like if we're creating... Because we don't have content. limitless resources. <laughs> no, but I think uh, sometimes... Um, uh, you, you know, I used to work in a company that, that didn't give me anything, like in terms of resources, nothing. Like I was all by myself, it was all by myself and I had to do everything and it taught me so much. I can literally do any everything without anything. It was amazing. Um, and you know, you're creating good content, but you want to make it accessible. You want to make it appealing. So just make sure to create table of contents. Come on, what is it? What resources you need to create from this? Uh, implement a video, images, Maybe uh, voice summary. There's a great startups today that can uh, uh, create some voice uh, uh, summary for the long text uh, format content. Well, sorry, um, what voice summary you mean? You feed the context into the machine and the machine then creates a fabricated actually, voice summary of it. Yeah, I, I know human uh, uh, services like this, but it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Samurai, it's called, by the way. It's like amazing service. And then, you know, your, your blog suddenly not just a, a simple blog. It creates like, wow, like an outcome of a really quality blog. And also you're giving your user a way to to hear your, uh, to listen to your uh, article as it was a podcast or something. So it was, it's, it's amazing experience. So, you know, all of that things maybe are five minutes of work, you know, just like, mm. it's not something that even rely on other people's job even. You can do it all by yourself. And most of the times it's just template based even. So, I, I wouldn't yeah. call it as a, and yeah, you know, sometimes you need to make sure that your design, your heavily designed website is also crawlable. So you're not creating, I don't know, like pop-ups on pop-ups or something like that. Oh dear, so, yeah. so yeah, for sure. Like, um, now, now although that, there's a question, pop-ups, something I really personally hate a great deal. And yet a marketer will tell you well, when I put the pop-up in, I might, 10% more sales, whatever. And a lot of these sites, I mean, I would, I'll cite Neil Patel because he's the one I, I go to his site and all these pop-ups come up and I'm sure kind of behind it is a logic of saying, well, actually, I'll make more money this way. Yeah. But personally it speaking, it just makes me dislike him. I know because you're thinking as a marketer, as a professional, and not as an end user who is not as professional as you. So oh, maybe... Right. So I'm biased and foolish. Yeah, no, I, the opposite. Um, oh. <laughs> I think like you're used, to, like you're used to um, uh, to seeing so many uh, uh, pop-ups, so it bugs you. Like it's something that you can't really see. But the let's say the target audience of these people that you just mentioned, maybe they're not so professional as you are. So maybe right. they're uh, thinking it is the best practice, and maybe they click on the chatbot. Maybe they will purchase from it uh, from a pop-up. By the way, if you're doing it in a smart way not interrupting the user, that's great. Pop-up are really great and are increasing sales or for e-commerce, they're really great. You're 
uh, you have some, I don't know, uh, items uh, left in your cart. So that's great to say, hey, we'll, we'll be saving you the, the items once you get back. And then you see a retargeting ad on Facebook. That's great. You know, that's, that's uh, just do it smart, you know. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, you've just made a really good point, which is that I'm not the target audience, so it doesn't matter what I think about the pop-ups on Neil Patel's site, for example, and he's doing it right from the perspective of who exactly. he's trying to do business with. Exactly, exactly. And I think like every every niche has its own, you know, target audience, so you really can't... I work with um, like uh, developers, uh, let's say, like the target audience is engineering um, uh, people and they cannot create like any kind of pop-up or any kind of uh, message like this because engineering hates pop-ups. They will never right. collaborate with it. Oh, I should so, join their club, yeah. Exactly. I should go and join the engineers. <laughs> oh, how very boring. Exactly. No, this is like the way you need to understand your audience and you need to understand how will they react to it. Uh, another pop-up is chatbot. It's this kind of a, a like a it's a pop-up in the end of the day. So you know it's a it's a sort of right. thing that you can engage with. It's another way of uh, using pop-ups today. Okay, right now I'm going to pick your brains. How do I find out what my audience is going to react well to? Do I just stick up lots of pop-ups and see how they react, and if they hate it, I take them away? <laughs> Haven't I just got lots of people annoyed, and they will then leave the site? Uh, well, I think the best way is just to understand your audience. Uh, if you cannot really talk to the audience, if you have sales reps that can explain it to you, support people that can explain it to you, maybe listen to some calls and understand how they interact with uh, what kind of questions. And you kind of identify the persona. Once you identify the persona, you can, you know, once you can talk with them, you can explore with them the ideas, maybe give them some, you know, does it bug you? How do you feel about that? Or see if they immediately close it or interact with it or it's something that they may be interesting for them. Right. Maybe it's a webinar you're trying to promote and they and that's something that will give value to them. So they will click and register. That's fine, you know. <laughs> Jason does hate chatbots, definitely. Something about them uh, I dislike. I think it's because I ask them questions and it's so obvious they're just replying from this kind of list of pre- answers and i don't know but i think once once again i'm probably not a great target audience because i overthink it and i overthink the pop-ups and i overthink pretty much everything so yeah chatbot's fine but the, well the, the next question then from my perspective is i'm trying to understand my audience obviously i talk to the people within my company who actually talk with the audience but then beyond that is it i mean the pros and cons i suppose is what i'm asking of actually having a focus group looking at your website watching them go through it, talking to them, because a lot of the time people say don't say what they actually feel. They say mm -hmm. what they think they ought to say, so maybe that might be misleading. And on the mm -hmm. other side, heat maps and, and tracking on the website uh, on mass. Pros and cons of each if I'm trying to design my UX. It is, it is. Uh, I think that's a combination of... Um... You can lead, you know, sometimes um, when we're using like uh, like um, focus groups or things like that, uh, we tend to lead them to the answer that we want to hear. Yep. So <laughs> we need to understand like a little bit uh, that we need to be very neutral uh, and to say, you know, just to lead them to say what they really feel and just watch them, watch them before they even speak about what they're trying to say. Just watch their behavior, their face expressions. That is really, uh, it's really cool. You can do it via Zoom even, uh, not, a, not have to be in person. Um, but yeah, just look at their expression. They're trying, what they're trying to do. They're trying to close things. They're trying to, like the eyebrow, eyebrows are like, 
what is that? They're trying to understand mm. what they're reading. Is that a CTA? Maybe it's too small. So they're like uh, getting close to the screen. You just, just take a look at what they're doing. And, um, you know, that's you need to analyze them. Brilliant. I just wanted to point out the people who aren't watching the video or listening to the audio version that Leiraz was acting all of that out. And it was really <laughs> delightful with her eyebrows going up and down and moving closer to the camera. So <laughs> I, 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 I do agree and I do kind of, I don't empathize, but I, I understand this idea is that we tend to guide people towards the answer we want to hear. So it's very dangerous kind of doing these focus groups because we will tend to ask leading questions but then things like heat maps on on websites and trying to follow the clicks and the, the mouse and all of that stuff how useful is that i think it's uh it's some useful not relying all about that but it's some useful it can give you some insights um but i can't really rely just on that let's say most of the times when i uh when i use these tools so i'm not getting like um like a definite decision it will be if i'm having i don't know like multiple ctas i'm trying to to see what people are clicking on but it's like like easy cases to solve if i'm mm. trying to get to the more complex cases to see what people are really struggling with um i need to go and really deep dive and see maybe talk to some users that uh, or see some recordings that even better for me just to see some recordings and see how they behave um I think that's better. Like if I get to choose something, so to watch recordings is the best way for us to analyze things. Right. But it's just time consuming for us, you know, just to analyze all the recordings and and to see and to, to come up with a real conclusion out of it. Yeah, and you need to watch several recordings because yeah. one person is not going to have the same reaction as another. Exactly. So, I mean, what I'm kind of hearing here is you're saying you've got your recordings, you've got your focus groups, you've got your clicky, followy, heat mappy thingies going on, you've got the sales staff and the support staff to talk to, presumably going out on social media and listening to what people are saying or looking at what your audience is saying. Bringing all that together and then using a bit of intuition, I've just touched my nose to suggest intuition, and isn't that the art of your job, why you're better than other people at this particular job is you've got that intuition of being able to bring all that together as a whole and present a plan no i think that i cannot really do it as a, in it with intuition like let's say imagine that i'm uh, drawing uh international seo strategy do i know how a german audience will think me as an israeli oh, I sorry i didn't mean just intuition i meant Bringing it all together with Bringing it all together. Um, no, I don't think it's a, it will be smart and professional from my side. I need to, we need to check it. Of course, of course. All right, that, that's why you've got a good job and I don't. <laughs> Brilliant. Because I would just go, yeah, probably about that. Off we go. No, no, but really, it all the, I, I have to have to say the magic world. It, it's depend, it depends. Um, but no, really, if you're a small business, imagine that you're a small business, local store. Uh, medical spa, when I think, of course, you don't have your focus group. Of course, you don't have any any resources to whatever. Um, mm. So, I, I, of course, it's, it doesn't fit to any business. But if it's a large-scale scale business, international business, uh, you need to explore co different cultures. You need to explore different languages, localization process. You need to understand your audience very deeply. Um, you know, the more sales, the more costly is uh, your product, you need to invest time with understanding why people will buy it from you. So this is the main point here. So it is, it is depends, I must hmm. say. I hate saying it, but I must saying it once. No, no, <laughs> no, I mean, in fact, interesting enough, I mean, I've been, I'm terribly interested in this because I've been building out CaliCube Pro as a platform. And one thing I did was bring on beta testers and have 
conversations with them and walk them through the platform and then bully them into giving me suggestions as to how we could make it better. And a lot of the suggestions that came up were very surprising to me, things I simply had not thought of. But, you know, I was just thinking, yeah, that's a great idea. And some of the suggestions were to take away some of the rubbish I'd put on there thinking it would be useful because I was thinking, oh, I like that and it will be useful. But nobody else thought it was useful. So my initial plan was to just build it out how I thought it should be built out. And then I actually ended up having to roll back an awful number of things because nobody else cared or liked. It is, it is. This is exactly how you're saying. Like, um, just pick the, I think like a lot of businesses are not really, not thinking through it. This is what we need to understand. Yeah, sorry, I, well, I was coming to, I'm sorry, I, I was actually kind of thinking that through, but for, it was what John Miller was talking about, which is saying I was optimizing before I was ready to optimize. So I ended up doing lots of work that turned out to be totally useless. Oh, Oh yeah, I think most yeah. most businesses are doing it, so it, it's fine. Like, uh, all right, oh jolly good, I'm not alone. You're not alone. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, to what extent now? Here's the question: Is Google's per perception of user experience used to be site speed alone? Let's say, and um, it's got much more savvy with all of that, with core web vitals, mobile friendliness. Um, uh, how how savvy is it though? How clever is it actually understanding what that user experience is, and what signals does it use? Those are the two questions, and I've just put up three um, fingers. I think it's not. I think Google has been like, if I look thirteen years back, it's way more smarter than it used to be. But I don't think it's um it's there yet. I think mm. there's a lot of spammy sites that I see there on the SERP again, like. Uh, uh, doing some black hat strategies or doing some short term strategy to um, to get things done, and it's working for them. Usually, I go into their sites and how these sites are ranking like this crazy. But you know, I think that um, if I can summarize to one signal that I truly believe in, it's like query satisfaction. Like for me, if I type in a query as a user and I'm going into a website and the article doesn't give me any information, all is filled with ads, pop-ups, whatever, like all over the place. And I need to really find the answer for this inside the content. So I'm going in back to the SERP and clicking on another site. So I think that is something, I don't know, um, that is my own perspective, but I think that this is something that Google may count as, um, as a bad signal, you know, mm -hmm. because this site didn't give you what you wanted, so you went into another site that's uh, ranking below it. So maybe maybe there's something to it. Maybe if that's something that is always signaling to you, um, so maybe this uh, this article can be better. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so I think yeah, this I mean, is kind of the things that um, can also, you know, highlight for me the way Google works. I mean, I mean, we could also say it doesn't actually matter how Google measures that particular idea, but the idea is it wants to get its users to the best solution to their problem as efficiently as possible. And what you just described is, exactly. is inefficient. Therefore, however it's measuring it, it's trying to figure out how to get rid of that inefficiency. So whether it's there, and I think that's a really interesting point as well that you made, is we often think it's already there when it announces core web vitals or mobile friendliness or whatever it might be, but it isn't there yet. It's on its way there, and that's the way it's going to get there. Exactly. And also, you know, like uh, it can be on the expense of website owners as well, because, you know, all the position zero, what's my IP, and then the traffic 
is not there anymore for the website owner that uh, was basically giving you the IP address or what's the time. And then you have the answer on Google. So all those kind of things is basically, you know, it's it can be also on the expense of website owners that used to generate tons of money from ads and monetization. And so for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's a question. Because a site used to make lots of money from lots of traffic uh, from Google for a specific set of queries from advertising, does it necessarily mean that they have some kind of ongoing right to that? And uh, I mean, my perception there is saying, you know, I mean, the world changes and we would accept that in most circumstances as the world changes, we need to adapt. Exactly. I know. I know. But it's like uh, it, when, it, when it did happen, like, uh, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, um, I felt really bad for people that uh, that they're not, you know, uh, that they're really losing their traffic. So No, no, no. I really Sorry. felt bad. Like whole businesses like went down the drain. So it's like. Uh, no, well, really it's a bad. really difficult situation. But I mean, kind of like from from a, a business perspective, Part of being a business and part of surviving is to adapt to, adapt to, to changes totally. because the world changes, whatever whatever world you're in. I was trying to think of an example with baguette. COVID. Also COVID. COVID is like a major, like really, all those offline businesses that had to do like a major digital, like everything made digital and everything is like from home, Zoom classes, online courses, online stores, everything. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean all of the all of the kind of online Zoom Zoomy companies and Streamyard, who we're using today, they must have stop and adapt. Maybe not stop, but certainly adapt. Um, <laughs> never well, stop. Is, never stop. No, never stop running. It's whole the whole thing about business. Um, I mean that 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 kind of whole sorry the whole COVID thing has been an incredible adaptive process for I think all of us and we I was talking about I can't remember what I was talking about it never stop it thank you thank you Anton um, what was I trying to say ah oh, uh, the whole like COVID that. like the, the COVID situation made all yeah and, and oh, we were talking uh, oh it was Sarah Senna that's who it was two two or three weeks ago talking and she was basically saying it's never going to go back to normal. Um, and we're going to have to find this new adapted reality that we're going to have to stick to. So there's no point in thinking, well, it used to be like that two years ago, so we'll be able to go back to that. You're going to be in a new reality, whatever exactly. happens. Exactly. It's fast-pacing. Everything is like really fast uh, in environment. So, you know, uh, I had a conversation today about, uh, yeah, one year from now, we're going to do this and that. No. <laughs> one year from now is like ages. No. In a digital world, it's like, Wow. Um, so you need to fast adopt things and just, you know, core vitals of today. It's just like in a year from now, it's going to be another thing at all. Like, uh, so you need to yeah. fast adopt. And, and that's the whole thing is kind of, if you're not looking after your core web vitals today for that great user experience, which we're talking about today for SEO, um, in a year's time, as you say, it's going to be something else you're going to need to look after. So you better get your core web vitals sorted out tonight, today because it's just going to build up with the, the needs that are coming. Yeah, exactly. And I feel so bad about businesses that are super afraid of core revitals that they need the, the Google update in order to optimize their user experience on their website. Why? Like, you know, it's like all the money going to drain. It's like, no, 20 seconds loading time. Improve that for your users, for your customers, not for Google. It's just like, uh, it's like mobile Jiden where, you know, like we had the, this major Google update with mobile Jiden and then everyone had to adopt with mobile responsive 
why not doing it before it? What, what doesn't it make any sense for you? Like it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get this kind of a uh, business owners, but there's a lot of people like this. Well, I mean, kind of, uh, isn't it a question of priorities? And I saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter today. We'll worry about it tomorrow. And only when Google says you're likely, or you might lose your traffic if you don't deal with this, then they deal with it. So basically Google are kind of putting the, whether you want it to call it a carrot or a stick, but yeah. Google are doing it from that perspective, they're saying you're going to have to do something about it and it's good for you anyway and we're just creating the reason for it. Is that fair? I think, you know, like sometimes it is fair and sometimes it isn't. Let's say the HTTPS, the SSL certificate was also something mm -hmm. Google pointed out. Um, for websites that doesn't sell anything, is it is it important for them? I, I don't know. Like, it's okay in checkout pages. I totally get it. But if yeah. I'm a content website, you know, do I need to secure my way, like, secure the traffic inside the website? Is it matter to me? That It doesn't really matter to me. So for, sometimes I don't really get some kind of the uh, the Google yeah. ask, you know. But they're, they can allow it to themselves. So why not? You know, just like, oh. For sure. And as you said, things like site speed, mobile friendliness, and core web vitals, i.e. a comfortable page experience for the user, are fundamentally things we should be looking at anyway as businesses. Whether it pleases Google or not is not actually necessarily the question. It should be because it pleases our users and makes them exactly. happy with our product and our website. Brilliant stuff. Wonderful, Liras. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm just going to quickly announce the next couple of the next week. In fact, we're going to have Chris Green on, who's going to be talking about becoming an SEO professional, get, have, actually having a career in SEO. Which oh, is wow. Exactly. I'm going to watch this. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I need to learn from Chris about that. Uh, he's a delightful <laughs> chap, and uh, it's going to be wonderful. And But we've actually got a double bill because we're also, right after that, a deep diving to KELM and MUM, and that's for the geeky people amongst us with Bill Swarovski, Don Anderson, Andrea Wolpini, and myself. Word lift special edition, and that's going to be really, really phenomenally interesting and very, 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 very geeky. And I'm looking yeah. forward to that almost as much as I'm looking forward to speaking to Chris about my career in SEO, which is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Liraz. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, I really enjoy it. <laughs> A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Liraz, with a wonderful voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>